Hello, everyone. Welcome to Let's Be Heard for Friday, March 4th, 2022. I'm Mike Cachopoli. Well, it's Friday. We've made it to the end of another week. This is, what, day eight or nine of the Russia invasion of Ukraine? Remember, it's Ukraine, not the Ukraine. It's becoming a pet peeve of mine. Actually, people dropped it a couple of weeks ago, I noticed. Up until a couple of weeks ago, people were saying the Ukraine. I don't know why they said the Ukraine. It's so bizarre. It's not the Russia, the Canada, the Mexico. The U. Maybe something with the U, right? Maybe it's something with the uh, uh, a, a U, the letter U because it's the U. People do say the United States, right? They don't just say United States. They say the United States and the Ukraine. Very odd anyway. Language is a very odd thing especially English. But anyway, Russia's uh, an invasion, incursion, reinventing, whatever you want to call it, depending which angle you're coming from, of the Ukraine, of Ukraine, there I go myself with the Ukraine, Ukraine. Um, and it seems to be getting worse and worse. Huh? It seems to be getting worse and worse. It seems to be more and more deaths of civilians and soldiers. And you can't get real numbers. You know, you can't trust anything. You can't trust the government of either country, Ukraine, any country, whether it's any, whether it's United States, Ukraine, or Russia, giving real numbers, one, no one knows the real numbers. It's very hard to keep track of these things in war. It's, it's called the fog of war, I guess. Part of it. It's very hard to keep track of these things. Um, and of course, countries always downplay. The, the countries always want to give their angle, right? They're winning. The other side's losing, right? I think at one point they said three hundred Ukrainians were dead and five thousand Russian soldiers. That, that is impossible. Now it's done to change more. We're getting a lot of civilian deaths, but there are a lot of deaths on both sides of Ukraine and Russia with the military. But you you can't trust any country to get real numbers. It's just they're just not going to do it. Look at the problem we had in Vietnam in this country. We're getting real information, right? So it's always been it's always been difficult to get real numbers and uh, non spin out of a country, you know. Because they always want their people to feel, and this is very Orwellian. We saw this in 1984. They always want their people to believe they're winning or doing better than expected. It's for morale, right? Morale the soldiers, morale the civilians, and of course to uh, spin it uh, so it, it uh, around the world so people, you know, think one way or another. So you really can't trust anything. And I think we've, we've talked about this before. After what we saw, not just the Iraq war, but then COVID. And you just, I'm very cynical. I don't trust anything I see on the television anymore. I don't see it. When, when they have reports of a Russian soldier, you know, writing to his mother saying, why am I doing this? I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Just as during COVID, when people would go on Twitter and say, you know, eight people I know have died, I don't believe it. I don't believe that. Um, you know, I just doesn't, I don't believe it. I think it's a lot of propaganda. People want their narrative, their point of view, and they feel if they give a first-person account of something, this will make people be more sympathetic of their point of view, of their narrative. And so I don't believe any of this stuff. And especially when, it's, after a while, it doesn't start to add up anymore. You know, like with COVID, when the percentage, you know, when it was 0.12% chance of dying and most people would have 0.0005% chance of dying. It's very unlikely that anyone's going to know multiple people that have died. It's highly unlikely. Most people don't even know one person. So you know when things, when people are lying, when something doesn't pass the sniff test, when it, uh, you know, so, and I think we're getting that a lot with this war now, you know, where you, you, you hear of, you know, uh, 
Russian soldiers saying, I don't want to be doing this, or, of course, you know, regular Ukrainian citizens taking up arms and fighting, and, you know, this is everything that the countries want to project. They want to project a certain narrative, and that's what's happening. But there's no doubt it's getting worse. There's no doubt the Russians are taking over more of the Ukraine, um, little by little. How can they not? I mean, their army is so much stronger. Eventually, they're going to, you know, engulf it's almost like a cancer, right? It, it, it slowly but surely is going to take over the body. And slowly but surely, the Russians, if they keep at it, if Putin keeps at it, there's no way the Ukraine's going to survive. Ukraine's going to survive this. He will take over the country. So what happens from here? What's very frightening is if you, if you watch the coverage day by day over the last eight days, more and more people are coming out and saying things like, we need to go further. This is the kind of language I'm hearing. Are you hearing the same language? We need to go further. We need to do more. I'm not saying boots on the ground. This is, I'm, I'm, I'm saying with these people on TV saying, well, no, no boots on the ground, but uh, we have to do more. We have to get more engaged. We don't want this to become a nuclear thing because if it becomes nuclear, the world's going to end. But at some point, Europe is going to have to step up. So the language is getting more and more more and more dangerous. The language is getting more and more dangerous. And I don't think Zelensky is helping when he says like things like this is the end of the world now or Europe has to step it up or the United States has to step it up uh, or goading Biden into doing more, which is very easy to do because Biden is neither here nor there nor anywhere. So it's kind of, it's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous game. It's a dangerous game. And I think the, the fact of the matter is that we cannot take a chance at this escalating past the Ukrainian border. We just can't, no matter what happens. So that's the way it goes. You know, if uh, Ukraine is toppled is one thing, but if the world is toppled is another. So we're going to have to make those decisions, you know, and that's the way it goes. And to start escalating things or to start saying stupid things like Putin should be assassinated or we need to get in this full bore. It's, all, it's very dangerous and stupid. And of course, all, this thing about these wars, all the people that want to escalate, that talk tough, the language of escalation, they're not going to fight fucking themselves. The guys like Max Boot, who love sending brown and black kids to die, he would never, he's not going to go fight. This we have to. If someone's not going to go fight, they can shut the fuck up. Are you going to go fight? If you're going to go there, if you're going to fly there and fight, you can talk about escalation and about fighting and about stopping Putin. But if you're not going to fight yourself, you can shut up. And that's the problem with these elitist pricks. They're not going to fight themselves. They send other people's children to fight and die. It's always been that way. It's always been this. So if you, say, if you say something stupid, like Putin should be assassinated, unless you're the one who's going to go do it, shut up. Shut up. Who's saying stupid things like this? The usual stupid people like Lindsey Graham, the bell of the ball. In, it really ineffectual, effete people like Lindsey Graham, who've never really done anything positive or got anything done in their entire lives. But love sending other people's children, to, kids to, to, to die. And they're usually not white. So this is the, we're in a very precarious spot here, ladies and gentlemen. A very precarious spot.
okay? And we can stop with the cancel culture of bullshit because that's not making things any better and it's only hurting it, all, all these sanctions and this canceling of Russian culture and the, 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 the devaluation of the ruble. Is, I mean, these are affecting, it'll come back to hit us. You see gas prices are already coming back to hit us and we couldn't take a hit. It's not like gas was $2 a gallon, now it's two twenty. It was $4 a gallon, now it's 5 here in San Francisco. It's five fifty in San Francisco and Los Angeles in many places. We couldn't afford a hit. If the gas was already low, we could afford little hits, right? But now we can't afford a hit there anymore. The American people cannot afford a hit in their pocketbooks anymore for anybody. They have to worry about themselves. So when we talk about like devaluating the ruble and sanctions and stupid, idiotic, asshole things like ESPN Plus and Disney Plus not being – who cares? Do you think Putin cares that he can't get Disney Plus? But all this stuff is only going to hurt the Russian people mostly. And they have no power in getting rid of Putin, of taking him out. So all this stuff only hurts unintended targets. It doesn't hurt the intended target. And there should be only one intended target for these things, and that's Vladimir Putin. And if it doesn't hit him, it's pointless. So we have things like Alexander Ovechkin simply saying... He's my president, but I hope this all ends very soon. This is terrible. I hope it all ends very soon. I hate war. I don't believe in it. But he said the words, but he's, he's my pre-. He said the words, he's my president. That's what he said. What's inter- it's interesting. So he gets blasted. Poor Alexander Ovechkin, a hockey player, not a politician, not a military expert, not a general, simply says he's my president, which is true. He's a Russian citizen. Vladimir Putin is his president. It's just like Joe Biden's our president. I don't like him. I don't want him to be our president, but he is. It's called reality. It's called, the, it's called an honest statement. It's called a statement of fact. Vladimir Putin is Ovechkin's president. So he says, he's my president. And people go crazy as though that's like an endorsement of killing uh, people in Ukraine and an endorsement of the war, which obviously it wasn't and he made clear it isn't. But here, here's, here's the once again the hypocrisy and the double standard. How about all the Americans back in 2003 when we went into Iraq and they said – not only did they say Bush was their president, not that Americans proudly say Bush is my president, but they said much more glorious and heartwarming and loving things about Bush than Ovechkin has ever said about Putin. Were those Americans crucified? Maybe you were one of them because most people did say that. When we went into an Iraq, I think it was 70 percent. I don't remember the exact polls. Google it. But I think it was maybe 70 percent of American people behind Bush, behind the war, at least at the beginning. And when I say the beginning, I mean at least the first year or two or three, not just the first month. I think it was 70 percent at the onset. Seven out of ten, it was the overwhelming majority of people were for it because they believed – either falsely that uh, they had to do with 9-11, which, of course, anyone with a brain knows Saddam Hussein had nothing to do with 9-11, or that there were weapons of mass destruction. That fooled more people because, you know, remember the news? Remember the same news media we're watching now showed the satellite? Look at those buildings. See, Come on. Come on. You remember this. It wasn't that long ago. It was 19 years ago. They showed the satellite photos, and they said, look at those buildings. We believe those buildings are storing weapons. They said that for months and months and months, and they were storing guts on a stick. That means nothing, by the way. 
Yet that's the, so hypocritical. Americans were not bashed, were not canceled for saying in 2003, after Bush invaded back, that he's my president. I'm an American. And that's another thing. I can be anti-war. I can be, I can be anti-Iraq war. Does that mean I'm anti-American? If I'm anti a specific war that my country gets into, a specific invasion, does that make me anti-American? Do I have to be anti-American? No. So if I'm against Putin going into Ukraine, if I think it's awful and evil, let's say, hypothetically, that he goes into Ukraine, does that mean I have to be anti-Russia? Do I have to hate Russia all the time? Do I have to hate everything Russia? Do I have to hate the 1% of vodka that comes into this country now? By the way, you morons out there who believe in cancel culture, 99% of the vodka in this country is not from Russia. Did you know that? 99% is not from Russia. Morons. Idiots. Fools. Boy, this cancel culture thing with Russia, this is like manna from heaven for the cancel culture nutcases. Oh, they love it. They can't get enough of it. What else can we cancel? We can cancel hockey players. We can cancel vodka. We can cancel banks. We can cancel money. We can cancel e- Disney, ESPN+, Plus, Anastasia, a Russian Hill in San Francisco. What else can we cancel? You fucking dopes. You imbeciles. You children. Stop it. Stop it. It's pointless. It's useless. And it's more theatrical virtue signaling. It's more overreach. Remember overreach? We, we, this government overreached. And many governments overreached for two years with COVID. It's called overreaching. It's going... It's called going too far. It's called going too far. And turning people off who would normally be on your side, which is the opposite of what you want. You want more people on your side, not turning people against you because of your ridiculous, childish overreach and stupidity. And by bashing a hockey player, and even before he said he's my president, people wanted Russian hockey players to be to be canceled, to, be, to have to, to, to be fired by their teams, to not be able to play. As though they are responsible for Putin going into Ukraine. And he, they're not responsible, come on, idiots, they're not responsible anymore than Americans were responsible for Bush going into Iraq. Did we cancel all Americans? Was there any talk back then about canceling American hockey players and American banks and American products? No. There was only talk about, what, freedom fries, because the French wouldn't get on board, right? The French wouldn't get on board with our invasion back then, France, and we said freedom fries instead of French fries. Ha, 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 how brilliant. And I know that was mostly from the right, too. Take responsibility, my friends on the right, for freedom fries. How dumb. But, you know, cancel culture wasn't as big 20 years ago as it is now, so this is like cancel culture on acid. This is cancel culture on acid now with, this, with the Russian products. Enough is enough. You don't cancel Russian culture because one leader invades one country at one particular point in time. Don't be stupid. Don't be idiotic. I'm, I'm over it. I'm over it. And it makes me care less about what's going on. Don't you understand what this does? This makes people like me, who didn't care much in the first place, and admittedly so, care less. You don't want that. You want us to care more, right? You want me to hate Putin, don't you? You want me to actually hate him. Right? 
Because I can never say anything positive about the guy. If you say anything positive about the guy, you're a Russian lover, commie, a KGB-loving, Putin, dick-sucking lover. Sorry to get so vulgar. But that's basically what people say you are. If you say anything positive. Now, like I, I, I'm going down on my knees on that. I'm going down the guy because I don't hate him wholeheartedly every day of my life when I wake up. And, you know, let's face it, the hypocrisy here. Most people didn't even know about Ukraine, didn't know who the leader was, didn't know anything about the people, didn't know their connection to Russia, didn't know they sound the same, didn't know they looked the same, didn't know they talked the same, nothing about them until two weeks ago. And now it's like Ukraine, well, Ukraine with the flag. I mean, come on. It's so easy to see through this superficial stupidity. Yellow and blue, yellow and blue, yellow and blue everywhere. I understand that OnlyFans, those of you who are fans of OnlyFans, and everyone should be a fan of OnlyFans, have changed the font on their website to yellow and blue. I mean, it's, it, I, I know, I know, I know a lot of Eastern Europeans, a lot of young men and women in Eastern Europe do the OnlyFans to make extra money because they need to do it to make extra money. So I kind of get it. But I don't really like it. I think it's kind of stupid. Not OnlyFans. I think OnlyFans is great. I just think the idea of you changing the font on the website of basically what's a 99% porn site to yellow and blue is ridiculous. And remember when OnlyFans a few months ago wanted to stop the porn? Isn't that like McDonald's stopping hamburgers? How idiotic was that? And of course, they didn't last. Once they realized they would lose everything, once they lost 99% of their business, they said, oh, no, no, we've changed course. But... How dumb. This is how dumb CEOs are. You don't even know your own fucking business. Hey, you know, yes, let's say, you know, how, how about do we have a, you know, we go to a steakhouse and we stop selling steaks at the steakhouse. We, so instead, we sell uh, lobster tails. Instead, we sell fish and chips at the steakhouse. No steak. I'm so stupid. So friggin' stupid. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's where we are with, with the Ukraine. I wanted to get that cancel culture stuff off my chest. Once I saw the Ovechkin thing yesterday, I got very upset, very upset that people are now bullying, bullying regular people, regular citizens. You know why? They're, they're bullying who they can bully because they can't bully Putin. So they, bu- they bully other people. They, instead of punching up, they punch down. That's what happens. That's what happens when you're frustrated because you, you can't hit the intended target. So you start hitting all these other targets with stupid sanctions and cancel culture bullshit. This is the way it goes, baby. War sucks. War sucks. You know? I mean, it, it, it sucks. But it exists, and it will always exist, and has always existed. And we'll always have dictators... Come on. Shakespeare wrote about this stuff, and it's still true today. Everything Shakespeare wrote is true today, and it's all about war and, and dictators and authoritarian figures and, and people and sociopaths with, with incredible egos. Most of the time they end up losing at least – I know there's often a lot of carnage before they lose, but they usually end up on the losing end of things.
Hitler ended up in that bunker, right? Small victory for a guy that killed so many people. But it usually doesn't end up well for these people in the end anyway, for them personally. And I'm sure it's going to – I'm sure the same will go for Vladimir Putin. But let's stop the rhetoric. Let's stop the war, the drumbeats of nuclear war. Let's stop the escalation through stupid things like cancel culture, canceling products, canceling people, sanctions that only hurt only hurt the small people and not their intended target. This is, once again, this is the same thing as COVID. It's, it's, look, there's so many connections to COVID, right? The government didn't know what to do, so they did meaningless things that only hurt people, like lockdowns and masks and so on and so forth, and vaccine passports and mandates and blah, 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 right? And so now we're seeing the same thing from government. We're seeing the same thing. People like Biden, they don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. So they do these ridiculously pointless sanctions that they have to talk up as though they're working, just like they talked up masks and talked up lockdowns. We know those didn't work. They only hurt people. The same thing's happening now. The government doesn't know what to do, so they feel they have to do something. And what they do ends up always being worse than doing nothing. Always. Because they have to show the people they're, they're taking action, right? They have to show people they're taking action. They're doing something. And so they end up making things even worse for people who you, you want to make things better, right? You want to make things better for the people in the Ukraine. You want to make things better for the people who live under Putin's rule, his dictatorship, right? But no, it's all about overreach. It's all about missing the, it's all about missing the target. It's all about taking out a machine gun to kill a fly. And this is what we saw with COVID. It's what we saw with, with, saw with Bush's re- response to 9-11, with, with going into with attacking Iraq and taking over Iraq, a country that was stable, a country that was a civilized, stable place with great filmmakers and culture and a leader that kept the crazy, wacko, lunatic, religious Taliban at bay until we took over and unleashed the wackos and destroyed a country and destroyed a thriving civilization. Understand? We always make things worse. Especially this country. We have, a, we have a, a tendency to always make things worse. Everything we seem to touch, everything, every, every war we get involved in, every mandate, every big government rule makes things worse, not better. <laughs> like Reagan said, the most dangerous line, the most scary line is, hi, I'm from the government and I'm here to help you. Sorry about that. So that's where we are. We'll see what happens over the weekend with this. But it just looks like, you know, I, I don't know where the end is to this. I know there's no end, unfortunately, to this ridiculous cancel culture. That's how people get their rocks off. That's how people pretend they're doing something important and meaningful. Uh, where it ends as far as the war goes, I don't know. I mean, the more you look at it, the more it looks like day by day, Putin and the Russians will take over more land unless at some point... And this seems like a movie script. It doesn't seem like something that can be real. It seems like a, a scene you would see in a film. A lot of Russian soldiers lying down their arms because they don't want to do it anymore. I don't know. What are the consequences for them doing that personally? What are the consequences for their families if they do that? I don't think Putin's just going to shed a tear and say, 
oh, well, my army's not with me. I guess I was doing the wrong thing. <laughs> so I, I don't think that's, you know, I, you know I'm, not, I'm not doubting there's a soldier here and there that will do that. I don't see it happening in mass. I, I just don't see it happening in mass. So that, that's uh, where we are with the, uh, with the Russia situation. Um, and I, I just hope that, I hope that we don't, I hope we don't make this worse. I hope we, I hope, what I do hope is that it doesn't become a world war. Because obviously we can't survive another one. And we've talked about this for, for decades now, right? We've talked about this basically, what, since the 60s, right? 50s and 60s, a possible World War Three that would be the war to end all wars. And we don't want that. And I think we need to do everything in our power to make sure that doesn't happen. Speaking of death, destruction, annihilation, and terrorism, <laughs> uh, I'm going to transition now to a film that's being released today. It comes out today. I was able to see a, a slightly advanced screening on IMAX. And if you get a chance to see this film, The Batman, yes, it's called The Batman, not just Batman, but The Batman, and IMAX, do it. Definitely see it on the big screen, but if you can see it in IMAX, that's the way you want to see it. Um, this is really the, the Batman movie to end all Batman movies. That boy, that sounds like a blurb, doesn't it, to put on a uh, poster? It's not intended for that. I'm not intending to be blurred. I'm saying it is the Batman movie to end all Batman movies. And I have never been a huge Batman fan. I mean, it went through so many machinations, right? It went through, you had, you had Tim Burton... You know, doing it in a you know, dark and brooding way. Then you had uh, Joel Schumacher who did it up, you know, Batman and Robin and such in a in a very colorful, cartoonish, more upbeat way. And you have it gone through all oh, so many directors and so many different actors playing it, right? Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer. Well, now, now we got Robert Pattinson, and Robert Pattinson is fantastic. I I, I think I, I Christian Bale was great too, but I think I think Robert Pattinson could be the best Batman ever, and this is certainly the best Batman film so far. Um, it's three hours long. It's I mean it's an epic. It's an epic, but it's one of those films that while it is long, there's no doubt it's long, especially for a, a superhero film, superhero in quotes film. Um, it, it needs to be long. It needs to be long to tell its story uh, of of Gotham City and a Gotham City that looks. More like a Gotham City as imagined by David Fincher in the movie Seven. Very dreary, always raining, very dark, uh, always overcast, very moody. And just an incredible production design that looks like a cross sometimes between Chicago and, of course, New York City. Uh, There's even the Gotham Square Garden, which is obviously Madison supposed to be Madison Square Garden, where a lot of the action takes place. But it's really about corruption. It's about a, a, a corrupt city and uh, the depth, uh, how far the depth of corruption goes through not just politicians, but of course police and of course the mafia too. Uh, the mafia plays a big part in this. And, and there, are, there are two actors in particular, uh, John Turturro, who makes his return. We haven't seen John Turturro in a long time. As, as one of the mafiosos, absolutely fantastic to Turo, and Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell, unrecognizable as the Penguin, and not a cartoonish Penguin. This is a Batman that takes a lot from the, the, the recent Joker film we just saw with, with Joaquin Phoenix. Um, uh, 
where it's much more realistic. It's not cartoonish. The characters are realistic. They're real people. They've taken on the names and the personas of, of the Batman villains. We have the Joker, only slightly at the end. I won't give it away. But uh, the main villains here are, of course, the Penguin and the Riddler. And the Riddler is played wonderfully by the wacky Paul Dano. Perfect, the perfect role for Paul Dano, um, who I've always found to be a, a unique actor, incredibly eccentric, but he's so good in this, in the psychotic role of the Riddler, a Riddler like you've never seen before. And Colin Farrell is unrecognizable as the Penguin. You cannot see him. You can look at the Penguin and not see Colin Farrell at all. The disguise is fantastic. The makeup is phenomenal, and he's incredible. The acting is top-notch, but it really is a dark, brooding film about deep corruption, deep city corruption that really understands the times we live in with corruption and terrorism and the distrust of the media and the distrust of politicians and and, and, and a lot of the hatred that people uh, point towards politicians, sometimes in unhealthy ways, such as the internet and uh, QAnon and conspiracy theory groups and so on and so forth. And it's just – it's incredibly dark film. Uh, It's incredibly moody film. It has three or four exceptional action sequences. There's a car chase between Batman character and and, uh, Colin Farrell's uh, Penguin, which is absolutely fantastic. Out of this world, incredible, edge-of-your-seat action sequences – Brilliantly shot by Matt Reeves, written by Matt Reeves and Peter Craig. Let me tell you, this is one of those superhero films for people who are not superhero fans. It's a film noir. It's got, the, like I said, Shades of Seven and David Fincher. And it's absolutely fantastic. It's epic. And it's probably the most really profound Batman film so far. So I highly recommend it. I give it an A, a solid A. Go see The Batman and see it on the IMAX screen if you can for the best experience. Well, that's been the Friday version of And Let's Be Heard. Another week is in the can. Have a good weekend. Let's hope the best for the Russia-Ukraine situation. And uh, I will see you on Monday. This is Micah Chopley. Thanks for listening.